In ancient China, monks began to mock those around them. As NPR's Alan Levinovitz reported a few years ago, they preached the idea that five grains that so many others depended on for their nutrition would in fact rot and befoul your organs. Instead, the monks wanted you to avoid the ancient five-grain diet so that you could achieve perfect health, perfect skin, the perfect ability to fly, and the perfect ability to teleport. Of course, to go along with the avoidance of those five grains, you also needed to purchase proprietary supplements. And we may laugh at the ability to teleport today, but the story from ancient China itself sounds like a page out of hundreds of diets and eating plans that we could pull up with a stroke of a keyboard and the help of Google. I'm Andrew Campbell, and this is Food Bubble, where today we unwrap a phenomenal conversation around what people feel when it comes to food, when it comes to eating. Part of the whole idea of this podcast is to, yes, answer questions about food, but also look inside the various bubbles we all live in when it comes to what we think is right and wrong about food, about food production, what can be good and what can be bad. But what if all of it, all of it is for naught? What if the very idea that thinking this is good versus this is bad has us missing the point? Today's question may have started with wondering why we might judge people about what they eat. I often didn't tell people that I was a dietitian right away, especially when I was going out to eat, because if I ordered something like a salad, that would then mean that I was dieting or being so healthy or a typical dietitian. Or whether or not we worry too much and that people aren't actually judging us as much as we think, but instead, we found a topic of morality, the very culture around what we eat, and the struggle that millions face each and every day when it comes to what to pull out of the fridge. Trillium Mutual Insurance is your ag insurer of choice in Ontario. They're farm insurance professionals who specialize in and understand Ontario agriculture, providing insurance solutions that are the best in the industry. We all know that insurance can be complicated, but does it have to be? Their real Ontario farm insurance brokers make it simple for you, providing the coverage you deserve. To find a broker partner near you, please visit their website, trilliummutual.com, and follow them on Facebook and Twitter at Trillium mutual. Our story today begins in rural Saskatchewan. On a farm, a young woman who would later use her struggles with food as the inspiration to become a registered dietitian. Really my my origin story starts like growing up on a farm in Saskatchewan and um, actually struggling with an eating disorder when I was young and getting sucked into the world of looking at, you know, diet culture messages and media messages around food. And even growing up on a farm, I got sucked into some of these messages around like, this is good, this is bad, do this, don't do that. And becoming a little bit overwhelmed with an all or none relationship with food and trying to manipulate my body in a way that I felt would be more more accepted in society, I suppose. So that really sparked the journey and the interest in food. It both came from this place of having a connection with food, growing up on the farm and doing a lot of gardening and that sort of thing with my with my family and cooking, but then also struggling in my relationship with food. So ultimately, that's what led to me studying nutrition. Um, and then 
as I started working, really observing that so many other people have um, a lot of challenges in their relationship with food. And a lot of that stems from this idea that, um, you know, no matter who you are, like what what sort of year it is, there's always going to be like good food, bad food, and it, but it's changing all the time. Like it's in accordance with trends and, you know, opinions. And there's, there's so much around, so much information around what people should and shouldn't be eating. And um, I realized in my work that that's actually what was holding people back from having a healthful and a free relationship with food was this um, this idea that food was tied in with how good or bad you were and what you were eating had some sort of say in, in like who you were as a person. Um, and so working on that with clients was super useful for helping them to actually get attuned to what was helpful for them versus getting overwhelmed by um, all of the different, you know, countering information that's, that's out there. Casey Berglund is now based in Alberta. She runs her own business called Worthy and Well with the aim of helping people feel better about themselves in all areas of their life so that, as she puts it, they can become more present in their everyday life. So Casey, that countering information and the fact there's just so much of it and people get so confused. When you go back to when you were first hearing from people, what was their big concern? Yeah, really good question. So um, I, I mean, I'm also a yoga teacher. So specifically in the yoga world, um, there is a lot of, a lot of people who feel as though they need to follow this perfect diet of, you know, organic, non-GMO, uh, gluten-free, dairy-free, vegan, you know, that like that's the way to go for not only good health, not only the perception of good health but also to kind of fit with the tribe. And now that's not true across the board in the yoga community, but I think those ideas are more prevalent there. Um, and then just in general, depending on what was popular at the time, um, you know, people would come to me and say like, oh, I was really bad last night. I had uh, a piece of toast as a snack or something like that. And, um, and it would cause them a lot of distress. So, I mean, I heard so much from so many people about what they felt was good and what was bad. And they were making that mean that they were good or they were bad based on the food choices that they were making. So let's start with that fitting with a tribe perspective. I want to eat this to fit in. Why do we worry so much about what other people see us eating? Or is that feeling well-placed because people are actually judging us on what we eat? I think it's a little bit of both. I think there is actual judgment and I think there is a lot of perceived judgment from other people. And, you know, I can honestly speak, speak for myself when I say that, you know, I often didn't tell people that I was a dietitian right away, especially when I was going out to eat, because if I ordered something like a salad, that would then mean that I was dieting or being so healthy or a typical dietitian. But if I went out and I ordered something like a burger and fries, that would then mean like, what kind of dietitian are you? And so from that personal experience perspective, um, there actually was a lot of judgment from other people. And for me, you know, especially further along in my journey, 
I really stopped caring. So it was about actually other people judging and less about my perceptions of them judging or my concern with them judging. Um, but for many of my clients, I think sometimes it can be switched where they, they think that others are, you know, diligently watching what they're eating when people are often more concerned about their own selves, you know. And I think uh, because we all eat, you know, it, food has always been something that can bond people together. Like when we think about how food has been used traditionally, it's not just about nourishment. It's about celebration. It's about family. It's about tradition. And so I think there's a long history of food meaning more than just nutrition. And so it makes perfect sense that, you know, those those sort of judgments around food and how people eat, that that continues and, you know, for better or worse. It kind of fits in with the other piece in this conversation, and you've mentioned it a couple of times, diet culture. I've seen more and more people talking about what that is, but before we get too deep into the conversation, maybe you can start with describing what the term diet culture actually means. Diet culture is basically a culture that perpetuates the idea that, you know, some foods are better than other foods and that certain bodies are better than other bodies. And and particularly there's this sense typically that uh, smaller bodies are better than larger bodies. And so these ideas play into the um, messages and the industries that then promote things like weight loss or different diet plans for, you know, promoting people to change their bodies. So there are a lot of ways that um, that culture as a whole and, and that we are conditioned to sort of view our food choices and our nutrition or wellness choices through this lens of, you know, thinner is better than larger or certain foods are better than other foods. So they're, it, they're very closely tied, diet culture and food morality. And, and there's so many pieces that play into it. So diet culture is one word that really encompasses a lot of mindsets, beliefs, behaviors, industries that sort of perpetuate the idea that there's a right or wrong way of eating and that there's, you know, better and worse bodies to exist in. So from your experience in your business and when you were looking at helping people move past this negative relationship they were having with food, how did you find people were impacted? I mean, it all sounds so exhausting to me. It is exhausting. And, you know, when you're thinking about what's good and bad and judging your food choices nonstop and judging yourself nonstop, there's not a lot of room for being present either in relationships or being present with yourself or having a nurturing, self-caring relationship with yourself. Um, so definitely people are exhausted. But I think this diet culture really contributes to a lot of guilt and shame within people like if if there's right or wrong and if you feel like you're not adhering to these rules then there's this feeling of like I'm not good enough and I need to try harder and it can sometimes perpetuate this cycle of you know yo-yo dieting or like an all-or-none relationship with wellness so when we hear people say things like oh you know I'll start on Monday or I fell off the wagon those experiences of going on something and then off something um, really is is how diet culture 
plays out and it, it is exhausting and it feel like it places a lot of stress on people. And the interesting part about it is that like obviously uh, people are trying to do what's best for them and they're doing what they think is best in terms of enhancing their health by, by say following this perfect diet. But they're not necessarily considering in a holistic way how that impacts all levels of health and wellness. So mental health can often suffer. And, you know, when I was working with people around their relationship with food and their bodies, um, you know, I worked with people who struggled with, you know, in their words, they struggled with their weight their whole lives or they struggled with accepting their bodies their whole lives. So it's not just a acute or short term uh, issue, often it impacts people for a really long time and sort of compounds um, as as they go through life and until you sort of learn to look at food in a different way or to start moving into a different relationship with your body. All of that, to me, can be summed up in one of my favorite lines of not only this episode, but maybe I've had on the podcast. Nobody can hate themselves into a healthier life. Nobody can hate themselves into a healthier life. It's such a powerful statement from Lisa. I'm Lisa Mello. I'm a registered dietitian in Burlington. I'm also a certified intuitive eating counselor. So I have a private practice where I see clients who usually have either food or body image issues. Lisa, as she mentioned, is a dietitian, but also something called an intuitive eating counselor. The concept of that was started by two other dietitians, Evelyn Triboli and Elise Reich. The concept is moving away from picking good and bad foods or restricting this and eating lots of that. Using a 10-step system, the idea is to allow your own body to tell you when you're hungry and for what, rather than anything or anyone else. And while it seems like a simple enough approach, it's actually far more complicated. As we age, there are kind of body image that also comes up, like don't eat this or you can wait. Don't eat this, it's bad for you, it's bad for your health. So you start to judge yourself for the food that you were eating. There is a concept in intuitive eating that is called the food police. And it is, um, it's kind of the idea that food has a moral value, that food is either good or bad. And we are either good or bad for eating this or that food. We kind of, we evaluate our day as being a good day or a bad day, depending on the food choice that we make. And then the, the food police, it can be our thoughts. So we can be just as kind of judging ourselves or it can also come from others. So it can, it can be a comment from a friend, a coworker, a family member. So somebody saying, you shouldn't be eating this. You shouldn't be eating that. This is bad for you. We even, we will say as a society that food can be sinful. It's tempting. It's decadent. So this is all kind of charged language that we don't realize but they they have an impact on other people like they have an impact in ourselves and they can cause a lot of distress it can cause feelings of shame of guilt of anger and they, they do start at a very very early age think back to what casey said and her struggles as that teenager in saskatchewan and how it impacted her own health my mental health was impacted i thought about food nonstop. 
my physical health was impacted. Like ultimately for me, this relationship with food led to my body changing in a way that made me uh, weak. <laughs> like I, I was an athlete and I, you know, went to a track and field meet and, and ended up like losing to the, the girl that I always beat. <laughs> so that was for me in my mind, a meaningful trigger that, wow, what I've been doing by trying to always do the right thing is actually negatively impacting me on a physical level. So that's the dynamic, a complicated relationship with food that so many people carry with them and one that impacts way more than just how their bodies digest, store, or build muscle with the nutrients of food, but instead a story of struggle, of grief, or just a complete fight all the time. Lisa, when people come to you, where are they mentally? So usually um, it's people who have been through lots of diets during their lives. They have lost weight, they gained weight back, they lost weight again, they gained the weight back. Like, so it's been a lot of cycling. And they feel like they don't know what to eat anymore. They don't know what to do. They hear so many conflicting messages, like from other people or on the internet. And they, um, it is no longer pleasurable for them. So um, I would say this is the main reason, like when people will come to see me, it's like I want to be able to feel pleasure and joy and happiness when I'm eating. Because this is something that we do every day, like several times a day. So sometimes I think we underestimate the impact that food or body issues can have on a person. Kind of negative thoughts related to food or body can dominate one's life. So I think in that sense, intuitive eating can be free. Now, Lisa, when we started down this journey for this show, we were thinking judgment was the best topic to address. The idea that people may be judging you on what you eat or what you don't eat. And certainly, as a dietitian, Casey mentioned that as being something real to her. A lot of people struggle with that, don't they? I think it's very important to notice, like as you said, I don't want other people to think this about me. It's important to know that we can control that. We can control how other people will feel about us, but we can actually work on ourselves, on our thoughts. I like to say a lot to my clients that um, when people make comments about their food choices or their body image, this comment says much more about the person who is saying them versus the the person who is in the receiving end of that comment. So it's very important to kind of know that, that if somebody is saying something about the food that you were eating or about your body, it's not your fault. And this is out of your control. It's usually on them. And it usually reflects their feelings about food and about bodies. So this is also something we work on, kind of establishing boundaries, like learning how to speak up, learning how to let the other person know that your comments are harmful and that you're not welcome. Back to Casey and the question about this really being any kind of movement. Is this just a flash in the pan? Can we expect people to feel less moral about whatever their food choice is and just eat to eat? Or is there a long ways to go? I think both. I see it. I see it really evolving, and I think we have a long way to go. <laughs> so both, um, yeah. And, and I mean, this is evidenced by the way that you know bigger organizations are are starting to observe and use some of the language that's that's in alignment with some of the like body positive groups or um, 
you know, we talked about intuitive eating or just this changing relationship. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, in some ways, like the larger, larger organizations are sort of co-opting some of, some of the language and it's losing its essence. But the fact that there are big organizations that are starting to look at their messaging and choosing to message differently, to me, is evidence that the, that the movement is expanding and growing. Um, Sometimes I wondered if I was just in my own little bubble because I felt like, oh, yeah, there's even more people who are practicing intuitive eating or, or sharing an approach that, you know, another term you might come across is health at every size approach. Um, but I think it is it is expanding into the broader, more conventional space. And every day I hear people say things that are very much in alignment with diet culture messaging. So as much as the movement is growing, there's a very long way to go. So no matter where you are with your feelings of food and what you should or shouldn't eat all the time, know you are far from the only one. Want to know more about where your food comes from in Canada? FarmFood360.ca gives you a 360-degree view of Canadian agriculture. There are dozens of videos featuring real Canadian farmers answering your questions about food, farming, and how it's all connected. You can even take virtual tours and see exactly what it's like to live and work on different Canadian farms. To learn more about Canadian agriculture, visit FarmFood360.ca. Who really cares about what you eat? You do. And these 200 plus food experts. Bestfoodfacts.org connects you with leading university experts on food and farming in North America. With over 500 questions answered and new content weekly, it's a dependable source available across all social channels. Get the details you want from credible people who've dedicated their entire careers to the study of food. You care about what you eat, so take time to digest the facts. Visit bestfoodfacts.org today. Next time on Food Bubble, we head overseas. And while not literally, we do get stories from Kenya, Swaziland, and the Philippines about Canadians who have traveled to and helped farmers and communities that know nothing but struggle. And that help is putting food on tables, livestock in yards, and children in school. It's Farmers Helping Farmers, and it's next time on Food Bubble. This episode of Food Bubble was produced by Jess Campbell. We also have the help of Jess Nicholson and Ashley Ferrero as we put it together here at Fresh Air Media. You can find us on Apple Podcasts with your iPhone or iPad, on Google Podcasts with your Android, or Spotify with whatever other device you have, or on dozens of other platforms like Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Anchor. All you have to do for any of them is type Food Bubble into the search bar. While you're on the platform, if they've got it, we'd really appreciate a review or a rating. As we build an audience of people interested in food, those go a long ways in helping new people find us. So thanks for taking that extra minute or two to help us out. We'll see you back here next week. <laughs>